Hey, welcome to the Comic Syllabus Podcast, where we read widely and we dig deep, looking at the world of graphic novels and comics through different lenses and perspectives. My name is Paul. I'm your host for this journey. Um, and today we're going to try something a little bit different. This is kind of a pilot episode of something that I'm calling Comics Please, graphic novels and comics for parents, librarians, educators, and school-aged enthusiasts. So if you are a fan of kids' comics or middle grade uh, YA, uh, young adult comic books and graphic novels, then this is a place for you. And um, we're going to break down and review a bunch of comics every week. Today, we're going to have two books on the review docket. One is Raina Telgemeier's new book, Guts, just came out this week from Graphics Books. We're here at September, in September 2019. Um, and very exciting that Raina's got a new book out. Um, it's kind of a follow-up from Smile and Sisters, her more autobiographical comics that have been huge bestsellers and mega hits. So we'll talk about Guts in a few minutes in the first of our what I call eight-minute reviews, where under eight minutes, I'll try to give a little review of the book. Um, after that, we'll talk about Simone and Louise, which is a book by Max Theratigas from Conundrum International. That book is more for teens and young adults, and uh, it's really an exciting story of two star-crossed lovers. Um, we'll talk about that book as our second eight-minute review. And after that, uh, what we call here at Comics Please, the Chalk Talk Chat where I want to talk about um, a different question or issue um, that people may have when they're thinking about comics for kids, um, whether you're an educator or a librarian or a parent, um, and you are thinking about young readers reading comics. And so we'll have some discussions about that. Um, sometimes our chalk talks could be about teaching comics, or it could be about different kinds of comics that are out there. It could be also about um, questions like today's question, which I'm going to talk a little bit about this question that I've been asked frequently as a, you know, a parent and as an educator. What uh, I got my kid to read comics. They love reading graphic novels, but what if I can only get my kid to read comics? What do I do then? We'll chat a little bit about that um, in that segment. Um, and in between, I'll offer some recommendations for fans of Raina Telgemeier's and, and Guts and also fans of um, Max de Radigis's and uh, Simone and, and Louise. I'll, I'll talk about um, de Radigis's other great books. Um, so that's going to be the podcast today. Thanks for joining us. And, um, you know, I am uh, also a parent um, of a avid, avid reader, and I'm also um, an educator, um, a literacy researcher and a teacher of teachers and an English teacher myself. And so comics have always been this this fascinating place of exploration. And Comics Please, um, which is an acronym, all my friends right now are shaking their heads because they know that I'm the biggest acronym generator that exists in the world. It's too much. But <laughs> Comics Please, an acronym for parents, librarians, educators, and school-aged enthusiasts is also our way of saying, give us more comics, please. And also that you know we are so excited because comics please their readers so often uh, and make fans and addicts of so many of us, um, make obsessives of so many of us. And so what is it about comics that seems to draw our attention and keep us so hooked? And, uh, and what do we do about that if our kids are hooked on comics and we can't get them to detach and try experiment, experimenting with other things? So that's the Chalk Talk topic today. Um, hey, listen, this podcast, The Comic Syllabus, um, is part of the Multiversity Network of Podcasts, and we are connected to multiversitycomics.com, a place where you are going to find enthusiasts of comics who um, deeply, deeply love the medium and who cover all kinds of stuff from comics-related TV to 
um, interviews with um, creators to the latest comics news. It's uh, not always uh, uh, language screened, uh, safe for uh, listening in the car with kids, but um, it's full of good stuff if you're a comics fan. So check out multiversitycomics.com. Check out the um, other material that's out there. Um, This podcast, Comics Please, is going to be intended to be safe for listening to in the car with your kids, um, which means um, PG language and content. Um, But... um, you know, if you are a fan of comics and you want to keep up with what's going on in the medium, check out multiversitycomics.com, including the other podcasts that are there, such as this one that you will hear about at this break right now. And then after that, we'll come back, we'll start our Comics Please episode with our reviews of um, Guts and Simone and Louise. So we'll be right back after this. Hello, everybody. My name is Mike. And I'm Greg. And together we are Robots from Tomorrow, a twice-weekly podcast appearing at MultiversityComics.com. Each week we take some time to check out books and shelves on Wednesday that are worth your attention. And each month we dissect the previous catalog. We also have long-form discussions about books we've enjoyed like Dan Clow's Ghost World and Jack Kirby and Mike Royer's Commanding. And if that's not enough, we also do creator interviews. Some of the talks you'll find in our archives feature Mike Mignola, Leila Del Duca, Sean Martinbro, Emma Beebe, and Greg Rucka. So that's a lot of content for everybody. Please subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow in iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. All right, back to the show. Just a programming note. Those guys, Mike and Greg at Robots from Tomorrow, are a whole lot of fun. And they are deeply, deeply committed to comics. And uh, sometimes their enthusiasm comes out in bursts of swear words. So just be forewarned. Um, but if you are a fan of comics, oh, they, they dig deep in the catalog, let me tell you. So um, hope you enjoy that, uh, grown-ups. Um, and uh, <laughs> now on to talking with our eight-minute reviews of some, some, some new comics that are out there for um, young readers. And I want to start with Guts. Now, Guts is an event. Anytime Raina Telgemeier, who really dominates those sales charts for comics and graphic novels, um, you know, uh, anytime that she has a new book out, I, you know, I hear ripples of waves and waves of excitement from young readers. In fact, my copy is not even here right now because day, within days after getting it, um, my daughter immediately had to lend it out to her friends who were um, hungrily, voraciously eating up that book. Um, but Guts is the latest book from Raina whose hits have included Smile and Sisters and Drama and Ghosts. Um, and those first two, Smile and Sisters, were um, the first books um, that I think really made a name for Reina. Um, maybe Drama came in between those two, actually. But Smile and Sisters were the more autobiographical ones. Um, Smile explored this incident Reina had with her teeth, um, Sisters about her relationship with her little sister Amara, and what's made those books such hits, and I think so appealing to kids, is that um, in this wonderful cartoony way, um, they really explore the consciousness, the experience of kids like Reina. Um, and it is very much true to her life um, and the things that she's experienced. And it really is, I think, it's the what makes those books so appealing, is the ways that they see, they help kids to see the kinds of things that they 
you know, that they go through, the things that they worry about rendered as comics, their friendships, their insecurities. Um, again, uh, uh, Colors by Brayden Lamb, once again, who um, always graces these these uh, Raina Telgemeier books with tremendous color work. Um, but Guts is a story about Raina at her, sort of her early adolescence, um, around middle school age, when she is really experiencing a lot of anxieties and um, a lot of worry attached to her stomach and actually getting these stomach aches and worried a little bit about her digestion and starting to get this icky feeling about vomiting. And it really kind of hits her at these um, uncomfortable and inconvenient times, like when she's at school. And some of these worries extend into um, how she's doing in school and her relationships with her friends and um, lead her eventually to start going to therapy. Um, and then she feels a lot of insecurities about that too. Um, and all of it um, is related to and, and builds up with to um, something she experiences that doctors call irritable bowel syndrome, where they don't really know why, but just a lot of times things happen that really sort of um, make the st make your stomach hurt so bad that you can't um, that you can't go to school you can't go on and those kinds of struggles are plaguing Raina in these years and so it is her distinct story but it's so cool that these books have a way of being also um, about kids anxieties and social struggles more generally um, I think it's it's another one of um, you know the way that sisters and smile have both um, you know told a someone's own particular story but in a way that's just again so highly relatable for people and really so fun to read um, i remember as a kid reading calvin and Hobbes and really finding in calvin a kid who was okay totally different from me there was no way i was anywhere near as mischievous or as as imaginative as calvin was but the notion of this little kid um waxing philosophical about life and death in the universe while risking life and limbs letting down a hill um, so much appealed to uh, who i thought i was um, and also who i in some ways wanted to be and i think reina uh, in 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 many ways appeals to kids in a similar way in that there's so many things that you um, can see a reflection of yourself in and so many ways that you have never been there you've never been quite like that um, it's something very very specific that she goes through but in some ways seeing her go go through it allows you to kind of imagine and experience it yourself and um, and i think there's a kind of something actually very therapeutic in that um so, you know, I want to talk about a couple of things that I really think stand out in this book and make it work well. One is that Raina does a really good job of showing the feeling, the emotion, the sentiment um, of disgust. And, you know, I think that comics are really good at handling emotions because you can show it in the story, but you can also depict it in the art. You can, um, you can have it play out in the dialogue. There's a lot of ways that symbolically you can show when a person feels joy or a person feels sadness or a person feels fear um, or anger. Um, those are all, of course, characters in Inside Out, the Pixar movie, where different core emotions right, were rendered as feelings. And I remember loving that movie, but feeling the most distant from the emotion of disgust, which in that movie, remember, is sort of a green uh, colored teenage girl who sort of has kind of like a ew face all the time and i remember watching that movie um was she green she might have been blue no blue was fear 
I think she was green. <laughs> green is a color makes sense with disgust. I won't go into the details why. I'll let your imagination explore that. But <laughs> in fact, in the pages that um, Reina is experiencing this fear about vomit and these feelings of anxiety and worry, they um, are drawn in this green color in fact everything is sort of washed in this green that um you know kind of reminds you of the color of puke but but really kind of um gets to the heart of this feeling of of um of disgust which is so much a part of what it is for us to be adolescents see in adolescence i think when we go make those transitions from being young kids to being um to being older uh, so much of that is, you know, going through our body changes and puberty and also our feelings um, about our, our peer groups and peer pressure and, and a growing sense of shame and our changing relationships to our own bodies and to other people where we start to feel often a sense of disgust, like this is okay and this is not okay because there's so much that we need to learn and sort out about who we should be and who, who we should be a part of and attached to ourselves and what we should stay away from. And that feeling of disgust when you're a kid um, and when you're in a preteen or teenage years, when you're emerging into adulthood, it's just a big deal. And I love the way that Guts tackles that, takes that on, and shows it in the way that you might see it in your own mind, in your own psychology, um, in, the, in how Reina gives us a glimpse into hers, but also how you have to then deal with that. Because I don't think disgust is meant to be an emotion that we just stay in, but sometimes we have to move beyond in order to keep keep uh, keep going in life. And I think this book really does does explore how Reina does that, and I think that's really powerful. In fact, there's this one scene where um, Reina is sitting with her friends at lunchtime on a bench, and she's reading Calvin and Hobbes, and she there's this. Um, she's talking about hey look at this, these facial expressions and how this these facial expressions and this body language sort of you know expresses so much and and actually that goes to exactly what i love about reina's work and what i think um also appeals to kids a lot which is the ways that if you open any page so much of the story is told um, not not just in the dialogue and not just in the the twists and turns of the narrative but in the the this kind of delight of facial expressions and body language that are all happening simultaneously on the page you know this is a book about friendships and feelings that you have towards friends which are so integral to young people's questions of shame and social just survival when going through those years and reina is so wonderful at being able to draw the ways that characters maybe multiple friends in one scene their feelings and their emotions and their um their expressions shift and change and and what i think a reader is often doing when they're reading a panel of reina's comics is they're doing what they often do in real life and sometimes they aren't always successful doing but but they can do um you know that you can do when you're reading these books which is to read the feelings on other people's faces their reactions their responses and just to see the ways that this complicated um, social world works um, and I think um, with the combination of the ways that these different sentiments um, including disgust and the ways that different kids feel and can be empathetic and be caring and also sometimes be um, uh, really mean or really afraid um, I think 
those all become this great vessel for young people reading guts to learn about things like <laughs> she introduced as Raina introduces to us emetophobia, which is the fear of vomit, um, and also things like irritable bowel syndrome, which is the sort of doctor's explanation for what they can't explain, but also things like Raina going through ser- uh, therapy, and she writes at the end that um, she has gone through and in this. Um, really, I think, very brave act of vulnerability discusses how she's still going through different forms of therapy or cognitive behavioral therapy or mindfulness um, or different kinds of um, medications as a way of dealing with this ongoing anxiety in her life. And I just appreciate Raina talking openly as a role model to so many of this being an ongoing part of her life. And, um, you know, in many ways, what she says in her um, postscript is that this is a very personal story, you know, and she encourages you to think about how you feel. And I think about this coupled with her recent book that came out called Share Your Smile, where, which is more of a how to make comics book. And she's encouraging her fans um, to make comics and giving them suggestions about how you do that, how to tell their stories. I think Raina seems to have taken up this, you know, this huge responsibility that's been placed on her shoulder as uh, as kind of a trailblazer um, because she has so many, you know, fans, um, and she's taken on this responsibility with her with the, the 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 work, the act of encouraging kids to to tell their own stories and to be particular and unique in their own ways. Um, I know I don't have to sell this book a lot because I know that um, people will buy and read this book. But I think what I want to encourage us to do as parents and as educators and as librarians and as people involved in young people's life and, and even as young people reading this, this, this book is to don't, not just read the book and put it aside, but really take it as an opportunity to talk about what we do with those feelings that we can't handle um, and to find ways that um, you know, professionals and people we trust and, and things that we can do as, as classroom communities or as families can help in the therapeutic work that, let's face it, we all need. Um, and also that there's different ways that storytelling itself can be a kind of therapeutic work, that art can be a kind of therapeutic work. And I think um, Guts shows us so many ways that, yes, we all do wrestle with these kinds of um, struggles. And um, and I think gives hope that there is not only relief from them, but also that through them we can learn to be more compassionate toward one another. So, um, of course, thumbs up um, as another book that uh, I think opens up those doors of our feelings, our emotions, and our struggles as we grow up for, for young readers. All right, um, back in a moment with a review of Simone and Luis by Max Deradigas. I don't know if any of y'all were paying attention, but our very first eight-minute review of Guts was 12 minutes. (laughs) Let's call the eight-minute review a title that keeps me reminded of my aspirations, if if not my achievements. (laughs) Let's see if we can keep this one under eight minutes. Simone and Luis by Max de Radigas. Um, And I say Simone, but it's maybe Simon. I mean, it's French originally, so... And I'm sure I'm saying Luis wrong, and definitely saying Max de Radigas wrong. Um, So all apologies for my poor French pronunciation. But that's an indication that this book, which is out now, um, came out in early August from Conundrum International, was originally published in French um, by Editions Sarbacane 
in Paris in 2017. And the first English edition is now out from Conundrum. And Max de Radiges is a graphic novelist who's been at work for a little while, who I first came to um, become aware of his work through, um, I think there was a book called Bastard and a book called Hobo Mom. Um, those books are maybe less targeted toward young readers. Um, and even this book, Simon and Louise or Simone and Louise, are <laughs> is more of a teen and young adult book. Um, so I encourage you to read it if you are um, kind of in, in that age bracket more. Um, it may not be as enjoyable for younger, younger readers. Uh, I'll just put it that way. Um, a little bit of background about the book. It's basically a two-part story. In fact, I think in when it was originally published in um, French, um, and, it, and it definitely is ha does have many of the sort of stylistic um, elements of those Franco-Belgian comics, um, if that means anything to you. Um, but when it was originally published in French, it was published in two parts, and it makes sense. The first part is titled um, Simon. It's Simone's perspective um, after a brief two-page introduction, the second part, Louise. And so it's, it sets up the structure of the story. It's basically the story of uh, a couple, a young couple um, who are dating and it's their summer break. And so they kind of go their separate ways for summer break. Um, and while they go their separate ways, um, there's, of course, the way that relationships are conducted these days, which is very much through cell phones and social media. But then there are some mishaps and misadventures that occur because of a status change in their relationship announced on social media and then some messages that go back and forth. And soon Simon, who is the first point of view that we see, sets out, ends up on a quest, a quest to find and in a way to express his his um, affection for Louise. And we really see Simon um, going through some, um, some kind of wild, as I said, misadventures out on the open road where he is um, hitchhiking, don't try that at home, kids, and um, kind of um, getting in, in a little bit of trouble while also meeting some um, goodwilled people along the way and getting some help to make his way to his um, ultimate destination, which is um, where Luis is out on summer vacation. But along the way, not only over the course of a few days does he meet different people who um, help or hurt him, uh, but he also... Um, thinks a little bit about his affection for Louise and winds up, um, I won't give away what happens, um, getting to the city where she is um, and finding something out. Um, just at the point when we are at the edge of our seats about their relationship, from Max's point of view, the story turns to Louise's perspective and we find out um, from her vantage point where her summer has gone, uh, how she's made her way to um, this this um, other city, the kinds of experiences that she has while she's out there with um, her good question mark friend um, and some of the um, some of the guys that they encounter. Let's let's put it that way while they're out at the beach. Um, and it really is um, kind of a light story, I'd say. Um, not super super heavy. Um, there are some scenes that might. Uh, know trigger for some young readers a bit of the 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 fearsomeness of being out with strangers um the the both the danger and risk and sometimes the excitement um sometimes the sheer terror of the way that people can be um and the way that um i think that um there is a tendent to you know when you are out there in the world um 
and you are making friends with new people and you're having to size them up sometimes the ways that people will try to take advantage um, or sometimes the ways that they take advantage you think um, not totally sure um, and, uh, and 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 yet you have to really protect yourself while you're out there um, but at the heart of the story is uh, really two characters um, figuring their way out and finding their way to each other and what happens um, along the way in that um, and as I said, like I think as a graphic novel, it's um, it's a it's a breezy read. Um, it stretches about 120 pages, um, and I I really um, went through it really quickly in one sitting. But what I think it um, inspires is some thinking about how the lengths that we go to for um, the ones that we care about and love can often lead us to misread <laughs> situations. Uh, sometimes a kind of passion for each other, which is, of course, a beautiful thing, can also, um, you know, distort our vision. And sometimes uh, the way that we see each other and value each other, um, it needs to take a little detour, um, but um, it has an opportunity to come back home to the affection that we feel for each other. Uh, I would say that this is a book I would, um, I would recommend to a teen reader if this style of storytelling and this kind of story, a kind of uh, romance of, of journey um, might be appealing to them. I, I have to say that I think Max de Radiguez's other books, including a recently released book called Stilg and Tilde, Vanisher's Island, which is um, out from No Brow and is um, also probably for a similar age and has a very similar vibe, but is much more of a kind of adventure on an island story. Um, might be a better fit for young readers uh, who I think are looking for something that's a little bit more of an adventure. Um, her books, uh, sorry, his books, Max de Radigis's books for um, adults like the aforementioned Hobo Mom and Bastard are pretty wild rides as well and pretty exciting and a lot of fun. Um, so I just uh, encourage you to check out Max de Radigis, um and his books and um, to check out Simone and Louise if it sounds appealing to you. Um, all right, in a moment, we'll come back. I will offer some recommendations uh, for Reina's uh, rabid fans, people looking for more of that good stuff that's there in Reina's books, um, and then talk about our um, Chalk Talk chat about what do I do if my kid will read comics and that's it. <laughs> that's all they'll read. Okay, back in a minute. All right. Hey, you may be listening to this and you have been a fan of Raina Telgemeier's books or your kid has, and you want a, a direction, where to go next, what's uh, a deeper cut, what's another kind of comic or graphic novel that might be appealing to that reader, that fan. Um, and I would start out by actually pointing to the last episode of the Comic Syllabus podcast, where I had on co-host Kid, my daughter, and we recommended um, the work of Shannon Hale and Lee Wen Pham. Um, they have um, a, a recent comic graphic novel called Best Friends, which is a sequel to last year's book, Real Friends. Um, both books are about Shannon Hale's experiences growing up. Um, Lewin Pham is a fantastic artist, and what they depict is a lot of what I talked about um, in Reina's books, um, the ways that different characters 
um, relate to each other, respond to each other in their facial expressions and their actions and the very complex experience of making friends and of figuring out who is your friend and who isn't, um, who can you trust and who uh, might be betraying you or, or um, you know, uh, who, who likes you now, but maybe, maybe doesn't like you when you have a different idea. Um, and it's just so much of what kids go through in their ages as teenagers or as preteens of sorting out their social groups and their friends friendships that I think those books um, handle so relatably. Um, so I just want to recommend Hale and Fam's uh, Real Friends and Best Friends for fans of Raina Telgemeier's books. Um, but there's some other recommendations that I really want to put out there. Um, one of them is one that um, Telgemeier herself recommended when my family had a chance to see her in San Francisco in an appearance that she made, um, interviewed by Guy Raz, the uh, podcaster. And somebody asked um, in the crowd, Reina, um, what are some, some you know graphic novels that you recommend for, um, for fans of your work? And um, Telgemeier mentioned Brenna Thumbler's Sheets. Uh, this is a book that came out, I think, last year from Lion Forge. Um, and I was so fascinated that um, in, you know, I think she, Raina, of course, mentioned a whole bunch of other, other great series that are out there, the Sunny Side Up series, um, and uh, the aforementioned Shannon Hale and Leo and Fan books. But Sheets, I think, is such an interesting book because I think in the same way that Guts really kind of gets to, um, no pun intended, the insides of some very dark and hard feelings, I think Sheets also explores in a way that is sometimes even somber um, the very hard and, and difficult emotions of its main character, who is a girl who has um, lost her mother um, and whose father is, um, you know, understandably totally devastated, but sort of holds up from the world. And um, meanwhile, this teenage girl is maintaining the laundromat that um, their family um, had, had established while a uh, a sort of greedy person in the town is trying to drive them out and force them to sell the the laundromat, uh, which means so much to to the main character because of her mother and the memories of her mother that live there. Um, and then the book um, is called Sheets because it also features a cast of local ghosts uh, who, of course, hide themselves when uh, people are around, but who are um, the spirits of the departed and one ghost in particular who becomes involved in the main character's experience. Um, and, and that book is a book that obviously includes some fantasies, is obviously fictional, but really burrows deeply into some of the tough emotions that kids go through, especially in the process of grieving and feeling a lot of pressure um, from outside, from other adults, from other kids. And um, I think it is a very powerful and affecting book. Um, it is. Um, as I mentioned with some of the subjects, um, a tough one uh, emotionally and one that I do think that, um, you know, parents would do well to to let their kids really read and then to offer the doors for the, you know, for kids to explore the meanings and the, and the, and the emotions and the kinds of experiences that are behind them. Um, but I think, again, that's um, something that Raina Telgemeier is going for, not books that are quote unquote sort of safe but books that do touch on some hard emotions and um, and really open a door of opportunity for kids to get in touch with um, those emotions within themselves 
or even to get in touch with their fears and anxieties about those kinds of experiences. Um, I know that, um, uh, you know, uh, many of the, the young people that I, I, I teach and I work with um, have been through trauma, um, adverse circumstances and experiences, um, and sometimes even a kind of secondary trauma where people around them and people that they love and care about have been through difficult things. Uh, and that leads them in turn because of their, their empathy and because of their involvement in those people li people's lives to themselves experience that trauma. Um, and so it's, um, it's, I think, really necessary for us as caregivers and as, um, you know, as people who are there to nurture and foster young people's growth to, to be aware of how kids need uh, spaces to, to think about and process those kinds of emotions. Um, in addition to Sheets, I think a book that um, deals with um, really powerful forms of similar kinds of anxieties and social, social um, complications is a book by Jerry Craft called New Kid. Um, Jerry Craft um, tells about um, his own experiences attending a school where he is one of the few black kids in a predominantly white school and what that means for him in terms of his own identity, in terms of his interests and his passions, in terms of his friendships, in terms of um, his racial identity as well. And I think, um, you know, Jerry Craft has this great way of talking about these subjects with a lot of lightness and a lot of humor, but also a lot of honesty. And I think that um, the ways that, for instance, teachers um, and other kids either put up on a pedestal or um, view with suspicion or distance um, the black kids at their school um, is very real and is very, uh, I think, relatable for kids, um, for kids who to think about race. And, and, and I just really want to kind of underline and emphasize that um, it is the experience of an African-American uh, creator and not limited to African-American readers. I think um, white kids and, and other kids of color um, and other kids who experience different aspects of their identity um, fitting or not fitting with their um, social environment are, are really going to find this book to be something that that they can connect with and process some of the experiences that they have of how other people's um, expectations or stereotypes or or other people's you know um, uh, uh, ignorance can can sort of um, can can mold your experience as a young person. Um, and along those lines, I think additional books that I would really recommend. Uh, Kayla Miller has a couple of books that came out this year in 2019. First one called Click, which is kind of about clicks and kind of about how you click in <laughs> or don't click with certain people that I think maybe for younger readers, um, uh, you know, that, that sort of uh, Raina Telgemeier audience uh, that are also kids who are in, uh, you know, early elementary or, or mid-elementary school can find uh, appealing um, main character in there um, is, you know, uh, is, is a popular kid, but who's who, who finds herself on the outs of all these groups who are auditioning for a talent show. And she can't find, seem to find a group that wants her and looks around and says, do I have a best friend? How come everybody else has a best friend? And kind of wrestles with those questions. And I think um, for younger readers, I think that click um, and camp are are kind of great for for thinking about those feelings um and finally this is a little bit different but and it's actually a few years back and a little harder to to find but there were a series of two books the first one called loose 
makes a splash um, by Claudia Davila, which I, I think are are different. And if you if you have kids who are fans of um, of Reina's books and sort of connect with her, um, I don't know her her you know cartooning and sort of her um, her her honesty and vulnerability about her struggles, but they may be looking for a book with a little bit more, uh, maybe more idealism, maybe a little bit more of a, of a vision of hope for how kids can make a difference and, 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 um, and be really positive, uh, without being, I think, uh, with, with still maintaining that sort of sense of fun and that sense of like, um, you know, a, a bit of the excitement of cartooning then I really think these two books um, in the Loose Makes a Splash, and I can't remember the title of the second one, but the author, Claudia Davila, um, and I'll, I'll list these in the show notes, um, really offer something exciting. Um, Loose is a, a kid with a, a, a wonderful personality and uh, a really strong voice who um, advocates all around her with her, her, her neighbors and people in her community for how um, they can all, you know, be part of making a more sustainable and better world um, in the way that they deal with water and electricity and all those kinds of things. So um, Loose Makes a Splash um, is also a good recommendation. So yeah, so those are my suggestions. Um, and now to the discussion that I hinted at earlier. Um, and this is kind of our chalk talk segment. And what I want to throw out there is this question that I often get asked by our friends who are also parents. Um, my wife and I are both teachers, um, and we ha- have sort of made it our business, our, our life's work, to inspire um, you know, reading and passion for literacy as well as creative uh, expression and writing in young people. Um, and, uh, and so our friends... Um, have often asked us, oh, like, what kind of books do you recommend for my kid who is eight or who is 12 or who is four years old? Um, and we also have a daughter who is herself um, a really avid reader, as you would know if you have listened to co-host kids' appearances on this podcast in the past. So I think a question that they often ask us is, you know, it worked. You you told us that you and your daughter read comics and that got her reading from day one and she loves them and she eats up these comic book series. And so I did that for my kid. I brought him to the library and we checked out um, Reina's books or we checked out Bone or we checked out Amulet or we checked out um, uh, something that's out there. And, you know, I can't get him to stop reading uh, Dogman. <laughs> or Captain Underpants. And now I'm afraid because what if my kid only reads comics? I keep trying to push a chapter book on him or, hey, this Chronicles of Narnia that I loved as a kid and they just won't pick it up and they won't read it. They just want to read comics. And um, and that's a question we we get asked. Um, and I always, ha- I always, you know, have to ask, well, how much time do you have to talk about this? Because I think there's a lot of different angles to that question. And one of the angles that I try to take on from the beginning is that oftentimes kind of implicit in the question or kind of buried underneath in the question is a concern that if my kids only read comics, then they only read dumb stuff. And that, you know, 
you know, not in so many words, but I really want them to read the sophisticated stuff that's going to get them prepared for, you know, advanced literacy and for, for college and for, you know, um, uh, sky high SAT scores and things like that. Um, and I just like to dispel the notion um, as much as I can that comics are kind of a debased and secondary form of literacy. I talk about the ways that actually kids have to navigate a world where what we call multimodal literacies, where they have to read a combination of text and not just simple text like labels, but really complex texts live side by side with other forms of um, what we call semiotic or, you know, sort of symbolic meaning making um, or, or um, communication of meaning. So if you think about like everything from a web page to an engineering diagram, there's often a combination of, of language that's very specialized and that is often very complex placed side by side with diagra diagrammatic elements or um, some kind of visual communication or, or design elements that um, more and more not just kids, but all of us as human beings have to navigate um, interfaces that we have to uh, interact with on computers or um, web pages that try to speak to us and sell us things um, subtly, um, sometimes subterranean, sometimes really out in the open, um, and to teach kids how to navigate those kinds of multimodal texts is, uh, I think, a highly important and often very sophisticated skill. Um, and I remind, you know, my friends who ask this question that um, as a kid growing up in America, as an immigrant, somehow I, I remember, um, you know, so often hearing words that I never heard at home. I heard them at school, but as a kid, I never heard them at home because my parents didn't speak English. And for that matter, we didn't watch a ton of uh, English-speaking television. I mean, I did. <laughs> my brother and I did, but uh, but not with my parents. You know, we didn't have the evening news on in English in the background. And yet, somehow, when I got to the SATs when I was 15 years old, I would encounter a word, and I just have this faint sense of what that word is and what it means. And I realized that you know. Yes, it was from having read Thoreau and having read um, Nathaniel Hawthorne or whatever in school and Shakespeare, but actually a whole lot of it, the sort of foundation of it, was reading things like Fantastic Four or reading things like old Superman comics or reading things like um, the, the, the cartoon adventure strips that I read so voraciously as a kid or reading things like Calvin and Hobbes, which, you know, I've read that recently with my eight-year-old daughter. And there's so many passages of that uh, that I have to explain because, um, you know, Watterson was not shy about <laughs> Calvin's vocabulary. You know, it was an outsized vocabulary for a little kid. Indeed, that was part of the humor and the irony, you know. And I think that the... Um, the, the language that's in comics is so deep and so rich and moreover it's contextually embedded in these like exciting fun stories i can think of few ways to expose a uh, few better ways to expose young people to dynamic sophisticated complex language than what shows up in the variety of comics and maybe not in everything um but um but to encourage kids to read deeper and to read more broadly and more widely in comics is itself a kind of literacy education. Now, having said that, <laughs> I also do nudge my kid 
when she is listing the books that she's reading at home for her homework to not just include the comics that she reads. First of all, because oftentimes the comics that she's reading are things that she is fondest of and lists and you know immediately because they're at the top of her mind. But also she actually reads a ton of other things and um, and will get lost in uh, you know chapter book series or in you know sort of classic books of of children's literature. Um, she'll often get lo as lost and immersed, um, maybe even more so than a comic book. In fact, sometimes she loves these meaty 500-page books that are written for middle-grade readers um, because she can spend more time lost in those books while she kind of breezes through a graphic novel in one afternoon like it's like it's nothing. And so I, I think a little bit about how that happened. And I know every kid is different, so I, I'm not here to say what we did with our kid would work with every kid. But I will say that one reason that um, comics were a place for us to begin reading is because we read jointly all the time with her. Um, as little kid, as you know, a little baby, I remember holding her when she was one and holding up these Peanuts collections and reading panel by panel with her. And what that was a model for was not necessarily just reading comics, but reading together. And what's wonderful about comics is they have they offer this very um, a tangible way of reading together. You walk through panel by panel with them. Um, but what that can lend itself to or lead to is a kind of open discussion about what you observe in front of you. And I think a lot of times with kids, especially as they get older, we start to feel like they should read everything independently. And we, and we remove the element of it where reading is an experience that they enjoy with their family um, or a parent or an educator or with each other. And I think actually one of the things that makes comics such an appealing thing to talk about for kids or to read with kids is that they can talk about it with each other in the same way that they can talk about comic uh, cartoons and TV shows with each other because the reference points are, are right in front of them while it's tougher to take a novel or to take... Um, a nonfiction informational book about something that you're interested in and actually have a discussion about it rather than lecturing someone else about it or having to be on exactly the same chapter and the same page and to be able to discuss it. So much easier to take a comic book, turn it around and say, hey, what do you think about um, you know, Black Panther's new costume? Or what do you think about this, um, this moment with this hilarious fart, fart scene? Uh, in Raina Telkemeyer's books, then to take a novel and go to page 45 and, and, and for uh, the other reader to have to retrace where they are in the story. But you know what? You can do that with kids and with prose books. And so what I would encourage you to take from comics with your kid and, and do to, with other kinds of books is that communal reading experience, is that sense of experiencing it together. And, and I would say... Um, don't think about that comic book primarily as a comic book. Think about what it is about that comic that grabs that reader's heart, that grabs that reader's attention, and show them how that exists, not just in comics, but yes, in a movie, and yes, in a novel, and yes, sometimes in a nonfiction book. Um, I'll give you an example. The, the, the sense of humor that my daughter so enjoyed about uh, Maris Wicks's Human Body Theater um, or um, a book like Elise Gravel's Mushroom Fan Club, which are all comics that my daughter and I enjoyed reading together, she has since carried over into different kinds of 
nonfiction informational books, but ones that are told with a kind of wit and a kind of lightness about their subject matter. And she loved that stuff. Another example is that um, uh, books like Raina Telgemeier's or books like, um, like the other ones that I talked about earlier today really do get at the seat of emotion for my kid. And I've, um, you know, sometimes recommended these other books that are similarly about kids' social spheres from classics like those Little House on the Prairies or Little Women type books to um, the, the kind of series that are out there in wide proliferation. Like, um, you know, my daughter's really into these, um, like, these uh, goddess girls books where the Greek gods uh, and goddesses are rendered as teenagers going to a school called Olympus together. You know, it's just that kind of stuff that, again, you know, it's it's not necessarily great literature that'll be remembered through the ages, but it just kind of expands her reading repertoire and palette. And I think that's something that um, has happened, um, you know, largely independently for her, but often because we took those first steps with her and helped her to experience the sort of joy of prose just the same way that we experienced the joys of comics together um, and so i would say to a parent who says what if my kid only wants to read comics is to seize on whatever that whatever joy is produced by those comics whatever kind of story seems to strike that nerve in your kid and then find something that is adjacent to that that um is out there I also just really want to recommend that there's a lot more books these days that are kind of hybrids between comics and um, and prose books. Um, I think, for instance, of the Netflix series that's coming out soon um, based on the series, and I forget the author's name, apologies for this, um, but a series called Last Kids on Earth. Um, now, my family, my daughter, not into scary things, not into zombies or horror movies or The Walking Dead or whatever. But Last Kids on Earth is a series that's basically about an end of the world scenario, a zombie apocalypse and a bunch of kids who have to make it. Um, and um, our kid ate those up, loved them. The first four books and I think the latest one, maybe the fifth or sixth one is out now. Um, I haven't read that one yet, but the, the Last Kids on Earth series, it's one of these hybrid books where there's a few pages of comics type um, storytelling, you know, drawings and, and, and panels, but most of it predominantly is told in, in, in prose. And I think a lot of those books, um, you know, my daughter will jump back and forth between things that are comics, things that are all prose, things that are semi-comics and prose. And, 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 and I just love right now that those kind of offerings um, or something like um, the Ben Braver series um, uh, have this, straddle this in-between world. Um, there's also other books that are, you know, maybe more targeted towards um, sort of um, the typical uh, girl audience um, or, and again, another trend I appreciate, uh, more and more books that are not neither girly or um, boy targeting, um, but really just for kids and kids of all kinds, kids of all kinds of gender identities. Um, they're out there. And um, this podcast is part of that pursuit, that quest of it. So I just want to encourage you, if you are finding your kid to be reading comics and not much else, to um, take an active role in um, both embracing what comics have to offer and the diversity of what comics have to offer and in returning to that place of communal reading with your kid to find passion and excitement for other things that are out there. 
All right. Those are my suggestions. Um, thanks for listening. Um, your feedback would be very appreciated. I am on Twitter at Tuply, T-W-O-P-L-A-I. You can email me at Tuply at gmail.com. Also at Instagram, um, on Instagram at Tuply. Um, if you have any thoughts about comics, please, for parents, librarians, educators, and school-aged enthusiasts of comics, if we should spin it off to another podcast, if I should just dump the rest of comic syllabus and do this. Uh, I'm kidding. I probably won't do that. Um, please let me know uh, your thoughts. Um, and uh, thank you so much for listening. And let's keep reading. All right? Take care.